Are you a fan of pro wrestling, comedy, and combat sports? Then we have the podcast for you because we cover that and much, much more. Do you like to debate with your friends? Do we have the perfect segment for you? It's the 531, where we take any given subject, break it down to a top five. From there, we debate it down to three and then into that number one spot. If you want to get a hold of us, find us on our social media. Search Working Fans Podcast on any major social media platform. And if you want to find the podcast, search for us on any major podcast platform as well as YouTube. Working Fans Podcast. We put in the work so you don't have to. Welcome back for episode 161 of the Working Fans Podcast. As always, we are brought to you by the Pro Wrestling Vault Volume 1 and Lance by Chance available at WrestleVille.com where now you can also get WrestleVille shirts. Message Vinny Berry for details. In addition to this, we are brought to you by Super Vows and Pas de Deux written by friend of the show Kevin Kelton available on Amazon.com as well as I'll Be Here All Week, written by Ward Anderson, and his new book, All That's Left, available on Amazon.com, where you can also get Ward's special, and you can also get Blood and Fire, the unbelievable real-life story of wrestling's original Sheik, written by Brian Solomon. We are brought to you by the great people over at Connecticut People Records, our wrestling commentary home of New Heights Wrestling. And today, the guys will be doing a live 531 on Seth Rollins' dream matches. So let me bring in the man they call Dave, AJ Strangebrew. That's right. We're going to kick this off right away. AJ, top five Seth Rollins dream matches. He's one of the best performers in the world right now. You excited? I am excited. The reason why is because I think don't think we see the best of Seth Rollins. I think he has to wrestle down to a lot of the people in the WWE, and I think that he has to wrestle the WWE-style match, and it actually takes away from what he actually can do in the ring. It makes me interested to see what his upcoming match with Riddle, because obviously with the new regime, it's probably a little more creative freedom, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes down. So I'll kick it off. I got Randy Asga. He's got Shawn Michaels, Mr. Perfect, Ricky Steamboat, Owen Hart, and Jay White. Those are all very good. I mean, I would love to see the Owen Hart one myself. I think Jay White would be an outstanding matchup. Just a good all-around list. I'm a little disappointed that Randy didn't want to see me versus Seth Rollins. I don't know why he didn't want to see that match, but that's fine. I don't blame you, Randy. His lost. <laughs> I got Alex Lorenzo. He's got Gargano, Champa, Jungle Boy, Ricky Starks, and Kamaro Hayes. Nobody look out for there, AJ, but those are all very original. He must be a fan of the NXT and AEW shows because everybody pretty much there is an NXT star or AEW star. Although we could see Gargano sooner than later. Yeah, absolutely. So that's an outstanding one. I've got Harry Priest. He's from the Mothership Facebook group. He's got CM Punk, which we expect to see a lot of. Samoa Joe, which we expect to see a lot of. AJ Styles. Yeah, what a dream match that would be. I'm sure they've never wrestled whatsoever. Uh, And then Dax Hardwood and Jeff Jarrett and your damn right Randy Osga. Iron Man match. Let's let's get this done. I would prefer Hell in a Cell. I think his cardio is a little bit better than mine, but I think Hell in a Cell would really bring out the best in me. Thank you, Randy. All right. Well, Harry Priest also has Jeff Jarrett. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he's actually said he's becoming a mark for Double J all over again, like it's the mid-2000s, which would mid-2000s would actually be like 2050, but I don't want to see that match. I do love Jarrett. Jarrett's fantastic. I don't know if he could still go with the likes of Seth Rollins. It'd be interesting. No, I would not put that on as a dream match. Even Jeff in his prime. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Jeff is good, but 
I don't know if he'd make my dream match list. But I got Mike Flynn. He's got HBK, Will Ospreay, Kenny Omega, Bret Hart, and the whole effing show, RVD. Oh, that's a good one right there. I'd like to see Bret Hart show up on there. I think that Bret Hart's one that we're going to end up seeing a good amount of, even though he's not one of our ones to watch, just because people have such fond memories of Bret. But I think that would be an interesting match. I agree. I've got Mothership Facebook groups, Kenny Color. He's got CM Punk, Samoa Joe, Kenny Omega. He's also got Shawn Michaels and Mick Foley. And then I actually got lucky today. (laughs) I've got producer Joe, who's got Okada. He's got Effie. He's got Nick Wayne, Alec Price, Kenny Omega. And then he's trying to invoke some weird rule from somebody (laughs) named Jake Hiromu Takahashi. Hiromu Takahashi, yes. (laughs) Sure, well, yeah, we'll go with that. I actually like his list because he's got Effie on there. I'm a big fan of Effie, so he popped me with that one a little bit. I think Okada would be a great matchup for anyone. Nick Wayne would be interesting just because it would take us back more towards the Tyler Black style of Seth Rollins. And then Alec Price is a good matchup for anyone. All right. And I'm going to, speaking of Jake Rule, I got the man himself, Jake St. John. He's got Adam Cole, baby. He's got Brian Danielson. He'll kick your fucking head off. Kenny Omega. Keep an eye on that one. Katsuki Katsuka Okada, Jay White, and the Jake Rule, always in effect for Jake, Minoru Suzuki. Now, we have never seen Brian Danielson versus Seth Rollins, but is it possible that at some point that we did see Daniel Bryan versus Seth Rollins? We might have even seen Brian Danielson and Tyra Black at one So some of these dream matches are a little bit undreamy, but that's fine. Let me keep it up here with Zach St. John, Mrs. St. John's favorite baby boy. He's got Will Ospreay. Kenny Omega, he's got Kota Ibushi, Tanahashi, and Eddie Guerrero. And actually, he said, you know what? Take Guerrero off that list. (laughs) We just wrote him down. (laughs) Put Naito in there. (laughs) That's all right. Eddie's off a lot of lists. (laughs) <laughs> including those people that are alive. We've got Ariel Agbagalog from the Mothership Facebook group. I think you purposely just gave me every hard name to say this week, but it's fine. <laughs> We've got Jay White, CM Punk. Jay White's showing up a lot for somebody we weren't watching for. Owen Hart, Christopher Daniels. I, I would love to see Christopher Daniels, especially in his prime at that point. And then we also have Okada. Okada it is. And then I've got also from the Mothership Facebook group, we've got the Brooklyn Brawler. Oh, with yeah. oh, This is from Derek Rolando, by the way. We've got the Brooklyn Brawler, Coco Beware, the Mountie, Battle Cat, and Max Moon. Now, that sounds like a bad list when you hear it. But mm-hmm. I want to tell you something. Coco Beware would have been a hell of a match. Back in the day. Max Moon was Paul Diamond. That would have been a hell of a match. Battle Cat was Brady Boone, was who was a hell of a worker. So that could have been a hell of a match. And let's face it, the Mountie himself, Jacques Rougeau, actually could wrestle a hell of a match. So while his list looks comedic on top, I think it's actually one hell of a list. That's right. I got our friend Scott. He's got Will Ospreay, Kenny Omega, Eddie Guerrero. He's keeping him on the list. Shawn Michaels and Toshika Kawada. Easy for you to say. It was. <laughs> I got Blaine Van Der Green. <laughs> this is but Van Der Green you you struggle with. <laughs> yeah, he's got Adam Cole, CM Punk, Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay, and Sammy Guevara. And I'm going to give you one more because it's the final one off this Facebook page I got here. Stephen Dash Brown. He's got Okada, 
Osprey, Darby, Naito, and Tanahashi. All right, so just a quick count for you real quick here. We've got Kenny Omega in the top spot with five. We've got CM Punk coming in close with four. We've got Mr. Okada himself tied with HBK at three. We've got Samoa Joe at two. And we've got AJ Styles at one, which is interesting since that is not a dream match that has happened. And Jay White has three, even though we're not counting him, so I'm sorry, Jay White. (laughs) I have Cal Hawks from the Mothership Facebook group, which I see to be covering their whole page (laughs) cm punk we've got kenny omega we have a tanahashi and we also have roosh now not from the mothership facebook group i have charlie hill he's got kushida he's got johnny gargano christian mjf which is the first time we've heard this one Mm. and then here's a good one that i think you'll pop for nick aldis I like Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis is the man, no doubt. NWA 74 this weekend. Check out our interviews with AJ Kazana and Joe Galley as we get ready to help promote that. I was hoping you were going to hit that one off the tee that I threw up there for you. Yeah, that's good. And then we got John White. He's, wait, who did you just have from? I had Charlie Hill. Oh, okay. Well, John White, the similar MJF, CM Punk, Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay, and Eddie Kingston. The other Eddie. I would be very happy to see an Eddie Kingston match. I'm going to give you Josh DeBoard. He's got, oh my goodness, Charlotte, Tucker, JTG, Mila Jax. I think he means Nyla. Hmm. And Orange Cassidy. Thank you. Wow. Josh, thanks for that. I've got Dave, don't call me Fabian Fabe. And he's got Shawn Michaels. He's got Kerry Von Erich, which is a good one. You know what? I'm going to go even further with it. I'm going to go with two-footed Kerry Von Erich. And then we're going to go Bam Bam Bigelow, Raven, and Tajiri. Now, that's a pretty interesting list. I like that he put Kerry in there. I like the Raven. That'd be kind of interesting to see him versus Raven, their personalities. And then Tajiri could wrestle with anyone. I like it. Well, here comes Jesse straight from New Hampshire. We've got Kenny Omega. We've got Eddie Guerrero, which I'm surprised Eddie's only got two because one was taken away. We've got Chris Benoit, because some people like dream matches, and they don't hold killing people against you. We've got Okada, and then we also have the Dynamite Kid. How is this the first time we're hearing the Dynamite Kid? Uh, You know, that's interesting, yeah. Jesse from New Hampshire, he's going to bring you guys like Chris Benoit the Dynamite Kid. That's what he's all about. Dude, I don't care what Joe says about him being a hick. I absolutely believe that Jesse comes up with great list after great list. Thank you, Jesse. Killing it. Continue, please. (laughs) We've got Warren Marlowe, and he's got AJ Styles, the match that's already happened. Triple threat (laughs) match with Cena and Brock. Never seen that before. He's got Randy Orton. Wow, God, hopefully we'll see that sometime. Triple H, never seen it. And Cody Rhodes. Wow, way to come up with the dream matches. (laughs) I believe that's Warren Malo, all right. <laughs> yes, yes. Warren already seen every match on that list. Marlo, yes. And I've got Joshua Daniel Rathbun. Almost want to say burn, and he's booking the territory Facebook group. Hell in a Cell against Bog Time. I assume he means Big Time Bex. She just dry pegs. Whoa, 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 maybe we shouldn't talk about this one. Okay. I should probably, maybe I should read this one before I actually start saying it out loud. Let's just say he taps out in 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. <laughs> Joshua wants to see him. And that's it for Josh. That's so, it. Okay. You know what? Yeah. We'll move on. I got Ian Patrick McCord from the Working Fans Podcast, podcast Nation of Domination Facebook group. He's going to bring some old school shit here. He's got Tank Abbott. Mark Jinjack, Shannon Moore, 
Weed Man. I don't know why that makes it so funny because I don't even know who Weed Man is. I remember Weed Man. Oh, God. Bill Alfonso. <laughs> Fuck these guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, friend of the show, Pat Oates, also one of the funniest comedians. If you get a chance to check him out doing his stand-up or any of his podcasts, please check out Pat Oates. Absolutely hilarious friend of the show. He's got Kenny Omega. I can't believe this is the first time we're hearing this. Josh Alexander, Ray Phoenix, Okada, and the one and only Adam Cole, baby. Mm, That is interesting. We never got Cole. Yeah, we've got Dennis Cool 009. I assume he's some kind of secret agent from England. We've got Sammy Guevara, Orange Cassidy, Nick Jackson. Number four pick is one of the Lucha Brothers. He's not being specific, but hey. And then we also have Darby Allen. Darby Allen, very good. A lot of this list coming from YouTube this week, too. I have a YouTube list right here myself. Rachel Fishman. I can't believe we got a woman. Wow. Rollins versus Ambrose versus Reigns. So he wants to see all S.H.I.E.L.D. go at it again. That would be pretty cool. Well, uh, considering the difference in how each one is now compared to when it was then, I think it would be an interesting match. As we see in the comments here, this might have been the first ever women's list. She's got CM Punk. We got also Rollins and Becky Lynch versus Charlotte and Andrade. Mixed tag. I like it. And then a final person that's going to be gaining some votes here, HBK. I'm surprised we didn't hear Seth Rollins and Becky versus Edge and Beth Phoenix. We do have producer Joe's brother coming into us right now, hot and live. He's got Will Ospreay, Ricochet, Riddle, Andrade, and Okada. I'm going to give you my list. I was actually, I wanted to be different. I wanted to try to think of people who they would get, because there's so many good people to wrestle Seth Rollins. I had this theory. I'm like, I could probably come up with different people who we haven't even mentioned. So if I got one that we mentioned, so be it. But I'm going to give you some names I didn't hear. Number one, Barry Windham. Top of my head. Number two, Big Van Vader. Would have been a great big man match. Number three, Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldog. Number four, Kevin Von Erich. And number five, kind of surprised this guy didn't get mentioned, actually. Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think that would have been a fun one. That's, that's actually a hell of a list, Dave. And you know what? I'm proud of you. You came through this week. Good job. I got a list for you. I also have Barry Windham because I think that that would be one hell of a match. So I'm glad I let you go first. Then I actually have also from World Class Championship Wrestling. I do not have one of the Von Erics. I actually have Gino Hernandez. Yeah. I think that heel Gino versus heel Rollins would have been one hell of an entertaining match and entertaining program all around. I have after that the Dynamite Kid, yeah. Josh Alexander, and my final one because I think that they just would have matched up really well is actually Jushin Liger. I'll throw in two more names and then we'll go to the tally. Macho Man Randy Savage. Don't know if I heard him mention. Which we did not hear at all. Mm -hmm. And Jake the Snake Roberts. Yeah, both would have been good matches, especially psychological-wise. With This might sound weird because it's not your classic wrestler, and I think that's what people think. But as Rollins being a bump machine, he could have been just a good opponent for Hulk Hogan as a Mr. Perfect or somebody who bought the best matches out of Hulk Hogan in that era. I would think it along the same lines because he's such a bump machine. Bruiser Brody. He would have been awesome to work with Brody. Brody probably ate him up. What do we got for a tally here? Who are our final votes? Hello. We've got Kenny Omega. He's walks away with it with nine. Okada is not in second place because CM Punk's got seven, but Okada is in third place with six. HBK with five. AJ Styles with two, even though we've seen the damn match a thousand times. Mm -hmm. Samoa Joe with two. And Eddie Guerrero, thank God we counted him. He's got two. 
<laughs> Wait, so Omega was one. Omega, Punk, and then Okada. Okada. Okay, Omega, Punk, Okada. All right. So, out of those three people... I assume that when we talk about this, we talk about people at their best. We're not talking about the Omega we've seen recently. We're not talking about whatever the hell version of CM Punk this is we're watching. We're talking about people in their prime. Mm -hmm. Okay, I just want to make sure we're on the same page here. Because before we go into that, this is going to be very important. Because Punk and Omega right now, I'd rather see them wrestle, you know, somewhere on a bench. So, Okada might be the best wrestler out of the three. However... When I well, think that's impossible because CM Punk's the best wrestler in the world. To quote John Maxley, the best in the world, my ass. <laughs> so <laughs> I think Okada's the best, but I think... One How did Brian Danielson not make the list more? Eh, criminal. I can't believe I didn't mention him, actually. All right. So I think what I'm trying to say is I think Okada's the best wrestler in the world How out of this group. However, and that's close, but I, I think he is. However, when I think of matches and dream matches, one of the things, go back to WrestleMania 18, Hogan and Rock, the atmosphere of that crowd, it would be electric. But I think if you're looking at like crowd atmosphere, you got to be looking at Kenny Omega or CM Punk. And I think the crowd would be a little more hot. And I'm assuming the match would take place in the States. So, I was going to say, unless it's at the Tokyo Dome, and then you have a chance. So I would say I would put Okada at three, and then out of these two, I just think there's a bigger story with Punk. See, I think I'm going to surprise you with mine. I lean towards Omega, and the reason why is Omega and Rollins have gone back and forth on Twitter at different times okay. about who's actually the better wrestler and who's the best in the world between the two of them. So I think it would be fun, kind of interesting and fascinating and I think the reaction we would get from, first of all, Omega being in the WWE or from Rollins being in AEW, mm -hmm. if it's the first time and they're going face-to-face, -face, you might get one hell of a reaction either way. Now, I'm not saying you won't get that reaction with Punk. Obviously, Punk's return to the WWE would be huge. But to me, Omega is just would be a hell of a match with Seth Rollins. Before we get out of here, do you ever see Punk? Well, we'll go to the next segment. Do you see Punk ever back in WWE? I feel like he's one of the few guys there's less of a chance with Triple H in charge. Yeah, because his problems actually stemmed a little bit from Triple H. So there's actually less chance of him going back, which is interesting because it seems like he's in a dicey situation in AEW again. I don't know if you saw what Brian James said this week, but he just said, huh, that's weird. Punk's having troubles with the office again? That's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well we'll see what happens well i'm gonna say this week the fans voted for omega you ended up voting for omega so we'll give it to kenny omega he'll be the number one dream opponent for seth rollins and there you have it and we're going to continue on with the show now and bring in producer joe as we talked this pwi poll that we started on last week i've been looking forward to this all week did you just give it to omega because you didn't want to have to pronounce kazuchika okada <laughs> I would have never pronounced that because I would have just kept calling him Okada. All right, well, let's, <laughs> let's pick back up with the 2022 Reader's Poll. It's the November issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Question 11, who is the next breakout star of Impact Wrestling? Who would you guys pick? Well, I mean, so that's interesting. So breakout in Impact Wrestling, I mean, Josh Alexander is already the man. But I feel like Josh Alexander might be the next breakout star in like WWE or AEW because this yeah. is just dealing with impact so impact in general okay yeah all right Ooh. masha slamovich i like that one i'll go just to be i'll go speedball mike bailey that's oh, well, good ace austin got 13 percent oh. of the votes mike bailey got 12 percent of the votes jordan grace got eight percent and others 
totaled 47% with Masha Slamovich, Giselle Shaw, and Chris Bay being amongst the names in the others. The thing with Ace, Ace Austin. Sorry, Ace Austin. I want to say Ace Steel because we saw him this week with Punk. With Ace Austin is, is he's already a breakout star. So to me, Mike Bailey's a little bit more of a breakout still than Ace Austin. Yep. And with a lot of these lists, you got to keep in mind it's over the course of this year. And over the course of this year, I don't know how much New Japan you watch, but who is the next breakout star of New Japan Pro Wrestling? Hmm. I don't think I watch enough to actually pick the next breakout star, to be honest with you. I watch a lot of the big events, but I watch primarily the big matches. So my guess would be people that I'm watching on those big matches are already broken. So it's not really fair to call them a breakout star just because I'm not more familiar with the undercard. Uh, I've been watching a little more New Japan Strong lately, and there's a lot of up-and-coming people on that. But man, some of those up-and-coming people that are getting pushed right now are guys that have been in the business for a while already, like Filthy Tom Lawler, Fred Roster has been around for a while. So that being said, I'll go with a tag team. I'll go with Aussie Open. All right. Well, Shota Umino got 12% of the votes. He is a young lion that has currently been doing his excursion in England. Juice he was Robinson actually going to be my pick. Which is surprising. Jay White got 7%. Clark Connors got 7%. Okay. And others got 65%, including Francesco Akira, David Finley, and Alex Zane. Okay. So the biggest. So, so by breakout star, they mean guys who have already held their top titles? Well, I don't <laughs> think this poll, like, I don't know if the readers are as familiar with New Japan right. because Ren Narita is nowhere on this list. Mm-hmm. You've got Clark Connors, but no Alex Coffin. Clark Connors, he was on the AEW pay-per-view with New Japan. He made a great show in that. Shoto's been doing stuff with Moxley in the past, dude. Those were good picks. As soon as you said them, I'm like, oh, okay. But yeah, Jay White and Juice Robinson, too, who's had like the major secondary titles. These two stars are already broken out. Yeah. But that's one of the reasons why that's one of the reasons I didn't want to say someone was because I didn't want to pick someone who's already a star there and be like, oh, crap, that's not a breakout star. Question 13. Who is the breakout star of the American independence right now? Interesting. My independence would a company like NWA Power be considered an independent? I don't. They, I think they would be borderline, but you kind yeah. of thinking more of your beyonds, your limitless, your right. GCW, JCW, Defy, what? He's so young and he's already making waves. Nick Wayne. That's a great pick. Trisha Dora got 8% of the vote. Oh, She's okay. been fantastic. Yeah, Nick honor. Wayne got 7%. Yeah. Alec Price got 6%, Effie got 6%, and others got 73%. Other vote getters being Tony Deppin, 2D Lynn, and Willow Nightingale. This is going to be a. Oh. See, uh, my, my trouble with this is Effie is definitely somebody who I would have borderline now, whether or not to even consider. To me, GCW is just as borderline as NWA. That's a good point. Now, on a weekly basis, how much pro wrestling do you typically watch? <laughs> oh, man. All right, so I keep up with Raw, SmackDown, and Dynamite. We'll say we fast forward to some commercials. Woo! And then I still I still make sure to keep up with Impact, NWA Power. We'll call it eight I hours. still yeah, I still watch NXT NXT UK. Yeah. I still watch Progress I watch. I watch I w- I'm trying to say like on a consistent weekly basis, though. I think eight's probably I'd say eight to twelve. So let's go ten. <laughs> Probably 10 hours well, look at it like this because you've got two hours because you've got 
two hours between Dynamite. You've got two hours for NXT. That's four hours. Mm. Two hours for SmackDown. That's six hours. No, One no. hour of Rampage. That's seven hours. Three hours of Raw. That's 10 hours. Mm. And then whatever else you watch during the course of the week. I'm going to say I watched 12 hours of wrestling. Yeah. All right. Well, four to six hours got 28% of the votes. Hmm. Seven to 10 hours got 24% of the votes. One to three hours got 16% of the votes. More than 15 hours got 18% of the votes and other got 14%. So we're falling into what about a quarter of the readers of PWI watch. I wonder how many people are even being honest want to actually say, yeah, I watched 20 hours. <laughs> We're like, nah, uh, I watched about four. <laughs> I can tell you that my definition is, as my wife says, I watch too much wrestling during the course of the week is her time. <laughs> the expletives that are used in that. Too. Yes. I know, according to her, he also podcasts way too much. Way but... too much with the one show that I do. <laughs> next, uh, You're on two. We got you on the more perfect union now. I cannot wait till my next time on there. I am chomping at the bit. Now, which of the following weekly programs do you typically watch? And then it just said, like, check all that apply. So, I mean, we kind of went through everything we watch. AEW Dynamite got 80% of the vote. Mm -hmm. SmackDown, 59%. Raw, 57%. NXT, 46%. Impact Wrestling, 37%. And AEW Dark, 29%. Now... Having looked at the numbers, this is not representative of viewers on the whole because right. but what's interesting SmackDown has a runaway lead, Raw's right behind, Dynamite's in third, and then Impact, New Japan, Dark, they're all lower on the scale. The best part is after hearing that, I just realized we probably watch closer to 15 hours because <laughs> of Impact. Yeah, I thought you said Dynamite had the lead in that. Dynamite had the runaway lead in this right. poll. So what I find interesting about that, and maybe a little surprising, is that Dynamite was so far, not that they're so far ahead, because the people are probably going to be a more hardcore fan base. What I thought was interesting was WWE was two and three commandingly, whereas you think that group of fans, you'd probably see Impact, New Japan, NWA a little higher. But the reality is most of these people are still watching the top main shows in the United States. The problem is, is New Japan and Impact are still harder to find. So even your even your hardcore fans are still going to watch something that's easier to find on their dial. It's interesting to see the age of most of these people too. I wonder, like, they're, if they're older or if they're younger and still finding streaming. I'd be curious. Next question: On a weekly basis, which promotion do you think offers the best in-ring action slash match quality? Okay. To me, it's still AEW Dynamite. Yeah, because at any given time, you're going to see Daniel Garcia, Dan Brian Danielson, such high quality, the Lucha Brothers. I mean, there's so much that you're going to see on any given week, whereas WWE, even though they've improved, are still one or two guys that are really carrying the quality of the wrestling. Not even just that, too. It's just that I feel like WWE is in the stride of putting on a good show. Like, we're making these products. Like, I'm enjoying the shows more. Actually, take a quick break here just for one second. So, how cool is it? Okay, Friday night, SmackDown. The next day, I'm talking to AJ, and we're talking, man, did you see that five-way match? Sami Zayn was fucking insane during that thing. I can't wait for Sheamus versus Walter. That was a great match, you know? And we're talking about something. Monday comes along. 
You see Johnny Gargano came back? Holy shit. I like the video package these guys are doing. This is great. Wednesday comes along. We're talking about Moxley and CM Punk. Wrestling as a whole has just been pretty fucking good lately. We haven't talked about wrestling with this much fun and passion, especially when it comes to WWE, since the Monday Night Wars. I have recently been looking forward to Raw. Like a kid at work would ask me, you watching Raw? And I'm like, "Ah, I'll catch the replay. Now it's like, oh, did you catch the replay? I'm like, nah, I watched the whole show this morning. Yeah, you know, I, it's I just to, been that good to check out. There was a while when I was watching about nine hours of wrestling a week because I was watching five minutes of Raw. Right. <laughs> Getting back to the question, I'm going to argue that MLW gives some of the best in-ring action slash match quality. AEW's up there. New Japan's good. But the poll says AEW 60%. New Japan 11%. WWE tied with New Japan at 11%. Impact at 6% and others at 12%. The reason why is because while we'll agree with you that the quality of wrestling in MLW is phenomenal, I'm going to go back to telling you once again, people are lazy. And if they can't find you easily, they're going to go to what they can find. Yeah. You can actually find MLW on YouTube where you can also find New Heights Wrestling that Dave and I do a little commentary for. We got a big card coming up at you. Lindsay Snow, the American Kaiju, makes her first appearance in New Heights Wrestling. We have a big tag title match and a heavyweight title match a year in the making. Getting back to the poll, on a weekly basis, which promotion do you think offers the best storylines? That, to me, again, is going to be AEW. Again, it's changing, though. It's changing, right. Like, we talked about it. Like, there's been more build for Clash at the Castle. And there has it all out. Like we still technically don't know the main event for AEW all out as we're like yeah. what 10 days away. <laughs> the continuity for AEW has started struggling, whereas WWE for the first time in decades, their continuity is on fire. Oh, I will Dexter say that. Loomis return, the way they pulled that off the first night yeah. without even saying anything about it and everything right. being in the background of a shot. That is right. some of the most powerful storytelling I've seen from WWE in a but- while. Not only that, if you want to look at continuity, they still went this week to NXT so that he could see Indy. They could tie up that storyline. He gave her the note that said he has to leave, and then he got arrested for the kidnapping outside the doors on NXT. So they still carried over the same storyline from Raw and actually tied it all in together. It's also nice to not beating you over the head with it, too. There's been subtleties of this stuff we have to pay attention i never would have thought that we would have closed out 2022 talking so well about raw and being so excited about it now the readers 56 percent said AEW had the best storylines mm-hmm. wwe 20 percent impact 11 percent others 13 percent i'm going to be interested to see what the 2023 readers poll says oh, yeah. and how high wwe jumps when you get like two four six months of this new storytelling yeah it's going to be all about how they grow the lines as long as they keep the continuity that they're doing right now and they continue to have the growth it should be an interesting year next question which of the following streaming services do you subscribe to and this is another check all that apply peacock new japan strong (laughs) nwa power so it would just be those three no but i have progress I've got, I do the independent wrestling. IWTV. 
IWTV. I have Peacock. Have you signed up for Pro Wrestling TV yet so you can watch Control Your Narrative? I have not, but I will sign up for that today because I do want to watch Control Your Narrative. The results are pretty much what Dave said. Peacock, 68% of the votes. New Japan World, 24% of the votes. NWA Power on Fight, 19%. IWTV, 15%. Impact Plus, 15%. None, 14%. I'm a little surprised that Fight in itself wasn't mentioned. I subscribe to Wrestle Universe where you can get Tokyo Joshi Pro, DDT, and Pro Wrestling Noah. That's not a big one. All Japan has a streaming service that, I mean, they haven't been hot since Dory Funk was old. So, you don't also, have, Dory Funk Jr.'s book just recently came out. You don't have to subscribe to Fight, though. Like, Fight's free. If you want, I'll just log on. You can watch. Oh, that's true. So, maybe the NWA power within Fight. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and we'd be happy to talk about the Dory Funk book, but first he's got to actually give us some money. Now, I am impressed, though, that the nuns are doing as well as they are. I did not think the Pope would give them a streaming service. To see them at 14%, good for you, nuns. <laughs> In general, do you watch your favorite wrestling programs live or after the fact? After the fact. I watch them live after the fact. <laughs> it's just, so- I don't have the time. Usually. So I usually start streaming in the second hour of something, and then I am right on time usually by the time I get to the end of it. So now, let's say we're watching Raw. Halfway through, I'll start watching it. All right. The readers said live as they air, 22%. Later at my convenience, 25%. And then a mix of the two, 53%. I've heard the guys at Post Wrestling wait till the show starts. I think that way so they can fast forward through commercials. The next question in general, do you think there's too much televised wrestling to keep up with in a given week? Yes. Way too much. Yes, absolutely. I love that wrestling's gotten better. But you know what would make it even better? Less of it. (laughs) Because that's just just too much. Well, Dave, the readers of PWI say get fucked. Because (laughs) no, I can't get enough. Got 58% of the votes. You're fucking savages. You're all in your 20s. You got to have part-time jobs and the free time to watch this shit. Yes, I'm overwhelmed. 37%. That's the old man crew voting there and not interested. 5%. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to watch this all when I move in with my family and the new five kids. I feel like I'm going to be like watching it on my phone next day in a bubble, like having to fast forward to most of it. Like, ah, I only got 10 minutes. I always knock it at the door. I got to go. Don't forget. You always got the bread truck, brother. Yeah, as long as I keep that going. (laughs) Oh, that's true. Now, last question of the day, because we got to get AJ out of here. He's got to hit the clinic. In the last 12 months, have you purchased a pay-per-view or live stream? Yes. Yes. 75% said yes. 25% said no. And that brings us to the end of this week's section of the reader's poll. Obviously, this poll is fucked because these numbers don't seem to... In the case of what people are watching, they don't seem to reflect reality. And then we saw those fucked up numbers at the beginning of the poll. So it's interesting to get this feedback, but I wonder if there's a more accurate way to do it. I mean, I don't know, but at the end, it's just... When you do polls like this, your answers are going to be all over the board, I think, right now. Yeah, now, Dave, why don't you tell them what we got coming up next week? We got top five John Moxie matches. I will not be here next week, but AJ and Joe will be carrying the team because I will be out there slinging that bread for Labor Day weekend. You know, some people might even say I'm a goddamn hero. You're welcome, Danny Moth. But, you know, these guys are going to talk John Moxie matches, and that's going to conclude best of five through one with the Shield. 
And we're probably going to have some interviews coming up at some point that we already did that are on YouTube. Might make our audio at some point in the next week or two. No pressure, Joe. I don't know when they're coming out. Nope. But look for them on YouTube. Joe Galley, nope. AJ Kazan. And we're talking NWA 74, which is this weekend. Joe Galley is going to be an excellent, excellent. That, the audio for those is going to be later in this episode, actually. Nice. Awesome. So that's going to be fantastic. There you go. All right, people. Anything else you want to say, Joe? Now, AJ, we're going to let you go here. Have a good week. Dave, did you want to talk a little NWA 74 ahead of the show? Absolutely. Yesterday, if you're watching this live, we talked to Joe Galley, and having him and AJ Kazana on ahead of NWA 74 was, you know, a great honor, especially the second time Joe came on, AJ from a wrestling family. And just to get those opinions ahead of such a historic event, an anniversary event at the Chase Hotel in St. Louis, I'm on the edge of my seat for it. I'm excited. A lot of great stuff. Yeah, let's go to night one. How about this? EC3 is making his debut. This is something me and Joe Gowdy didn't talk about yesterday against Matthew Mims, Big Mims, EC3 and NWA. I'm kind of curious to see where this goes. I was watching a video on YouTube that used this match as an example of why Control Your Narrative is supposedly dying, they said. I don't see it quite that way. I see it almost being a co-branded opportunity where EC3 was wasted in WWE. I think he's done. I'm not going to say great on the independence, but he has been making a mark and I think he's got to get the win in this match. He's trying to do his own thing. Yeah, I think he'll get the win. And I know that the guy that used to write for NWA and help produce it. Yeah. Yeah. He was a huge fan of EC3 and he said, he never knew why WWE didn't push him because he had everything they were looking for with him. So it'll be interesting to see how he does in NWA if he's going to stick around. But yeah, I think he could be a big star in NWA for sure. Matt Cardona and an op- opponent of his choosing, Cardona's choice. This has got to be a sham. This has got to be an angle where Matt's going to pick some jobber up. He's pissed. I get it. So <laughs> I'm going with Cardona on this one all day. I know National Dog Day and Paco decides to speak up. I'm thinking it's going to be Cardona's going to bring out Swoggle as his designated opponent. He's in the hospital, though. There was a picture of him on social media right now in the hospital, so hopefully he's okay. That's a great Yeah, Cardona already got it, that ass, and now the NWA is going to suggest the real opponent. I think it's going to be a thing where he suggests an opponent. It's going to be one that should be easily defeated. And then there is going to be some kind of replacement and he's going to get an actual opponent. Yeah, I'm Maybe Tim Storm. It could be one of those surprises that Joe Galley alluded to. I don't, I'm going to watch to see. I can't pick it, but whoever Cardona's opponent is, is going to be the one to get the win. All right. Here's another match me and Joe didn't talk about yesterday. Bully Ray versus Mike Knox table match. Bully more the legend here. But Mike Knox is involved in more of the storyline with Cardona, although Knox did beat up Bully Ray at a taping. So does Bully Yeah, I think Bully Ray gets the win. It's been an interesting little feud that they've built up over this season. And that's one of the things I like about NWA is they've got like this season format where it goes from pay-per-view to pay-per-view and you get those stories that continue through it so i'm interested in this match bully ray gets the win now me and joe galley talked yesterday about camille versus valkyrie so what i want to talk about here is the burke invitational gauntlet match all right i'm going to give you the participants because whoever wins this match is getting a shot at the winner in night two of camille and valkyrie we got samantha star with her mother baby doll so I've never seen Samantha Star, Star wrestle before. 
but apparently this is Baby Doll's daughter. Kylan King, who's been getting a lot more time on AEW Dynamite recently. Tootie Lynn, Missa Kate, Max the Impaler with Father James Mitchell, Maddie Rinkowski, Angelina Love, Genocide, Natalia Markova, and Taryn Terrell. So what's going to happen here? And who do you think, you know, like, I, I mean, is Camille keeping her belt? And then who do you think she's facing? Or is it Valkyrie? What do you think's happening? Camille is keeping the belt. And it could go, if they want to stay with just like an NWA name, Genocide would be the choice. Max the Impaler would be another interesting well, one, especially with Father James Mitchell. I believe Max is a non-binary competitor. So shout out to all yous out there. And I'm going to say Kylan King. I feel like she's just on too good a streak. So Kylan King loses to Camille night two. She had a great and this reign of Camille just keeps on. She had a great match with Camille on the last pay-per-view. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just for shock value. I'll say Kylan King gets it. She's the man to start the thing. And then I say Kylan King pulls it off the next night. Upset. That's a hell of a way to come out of the weekend. It would be cool. You know, I'd like to see it. I'd like to say, I was wondering because she's been pushed on AEW if Billy Corgan would be worried about her leaving to go to AEW. But I don't think Billy worries about that stuff. I think he concentrates on his own storylines and he's got a unique set of circumstances. I just watched an interview with Billy where he talks about, and AJ Kazana kind of talks about this a little bit too, how you can kind of buy your way. I feel like this is a shot at Tony Khan, by the way, but you can kind of buy your way with a lot of money into TV and, you know, get yourself up and maybe be in the red. He said, I want to develop a fan base. I want to make a real legitimate connection and build myself up from the ground up. And then we'll start putting more money as time goes on in this. Yeah, if I were NWA, I wouldn't be as worried about Tony Khan. The company that I think Tony has affected the most negatively is MLW. MLW was at quite a place in the indie scene before AEW popped up took Tony Schiavone took MJF a lot of the big stars that were signing with MLW about that time got scooped up by AEW and NWA has kind of done their own thing they've been perfect in this co-branding where they'll work with impact wrestling they'll work with other companies and it's not in a competition way it's almost in a Spirit of collaboration, almost like the old NWA was. Yeah, and Billy also did say he's open for business. He'll work with anybody, WWE, AEW, you know. And I, yeah, I like good. what they had with Marty Skrull in ROH going into the end of season one of the return of NWA Power. Yeah, in fact, I'm trying to find the match here, but Davey Richards, oh, there it is, will be defending the MLW National Openweight title against Real Billy Silas Mason. So there you have it right there, some MLW collaboration already. I expect Davey Richards to keep his title, by the way, too. I was excited when Joe Galley mentioned that match. Seeing Davey Richards on this card and defending that MLW title, that's going to be great. Yeah. and Obviously, we, he's going to keep it. Yesterday, there's going to be a it's like a 10-team battle royal for the United States Tag Team title. I'm very excited we're getting the United States Tag Titles back just because of the history. It reminds me of the Midnight Express, as I said to Joe Galley. Like, that's just who I think of when I think of the United States tag titles, who's going to get it. I mean, there's a lot of teams in this I could mention. I'll just say the fixers are a team that NWA seems to really put focus on. They've kind of given their own special show and stuff at times. 
And I think the fixers might do it. Although the country gentlemen, AJ Kazana and Anthony Andrews would be another pick. Yeah. Like I would like to see somebody like the fixers, even God, if OGK was in there, Taven and Bennett, but seeing a homegrown NWA team like Kazana, that would be an interesting pick. And I think a good a good way of almost rebranding those U.S. titles, the U.S. tag titles that we haven't seen since what the 80s. I mean, it's been a long time. I mean, no, I want to say there might have been a little early resurgence in the 90s, early 90s, because I remember the Steiner brothers had them for a little while too. Okay, yeah, I can see that. So I'll give you. We'll do two more matches here. Got that big Nick tag Paul. title match that I'm excited for. I see the champions retaining. Well, I was gonna say we that was one of the ones. We talked about Joe Galley. Fine interview, people. <laughs> Nick Aldis versus Flip Gordon. Here's one we didn't talk about. What do you oh. Think? Flip Gordon back in uh, kind of a stage here. That, yeah, I was sad that he didn't come over for ROH. I think he's been kind of doing the independence and going with Control Your Narrative. God, Aldis is going to win that, but that's going to be an amazing match. And even though I did talk about this with Joe Galley, I guess if we're going to have to talk about this show, night two, Main event, Tyrus versus Trevor Murdoch. As Joe Galley said, this should be a hoss fight. They're going to lay into each other. He dropped some good knowledge on us yesterday, too, when he talked about that Tyrus, even though Trevor Murdoch, you know, St. Louis guy, learned to wrestle there, Tyrus has a lot of family out there, and he purchased a lot of tickets for people. So we might see the fans at this kind of 50 50 i wouldn't even think that but you know he would have more inside information than we would yeah i wouldn't expect it to be as 50 50 tyrus is a force in ring he's gonna be quite the challenge for murdoch but murdoch's he's gotta retain i tyrus is a good wrestler he's a good character on the show i don't know if he's a world champion and i don't mean that as a slight i just i don't personally see it Plus this storyline with Trevor Murdoch and just being Harley Race's student. Like, how do you not have him win in St. Louis? Mm -hmm. I would agree. I don't think Trevor's Murdoch's reign should end here. If anything, I don't think the only other person in NWA right now currently that I think should be the world champion is Nick Aldis. Like Nick Aldis has been the man. I think that's been the feud. It kind of reminds me of an old Dusty versus Flair kind of thing almost with Aldis with the suit. And Dusty, you know, and that Trevor Murdoch and that Dusty kind of role, you know, like the man of the people kind of thing. When the time comes, though, who is the next championship contender? That's interesting because then you got Cardona in the wings here. Cardona never even lost a belt. So if Cardona's sticking around, I mean, obviously he could be in that title picture. I got to think that Cardona is possibly next in line, too. Like, how do you not do something with him at this point? Very true. I think that's about it. NWA 74. Check it out at the chase. The Pro Wrestling Vault. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 300 photos from the independent scene. Taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com or LanceByChance.com. WrestleVille. It's where wrestling lives. Working Fans Podcast with the man they call Dave. And today we have former wrestler, news anchor, Emmy Award winner, and more importantly, the voice of NWA Power, Mr. Joe Galley. That's right. The man called Joe. Not as, cool as Dave. Not as cool as Dave. 
No, that's fine, man. I love it. NWA. Uh, well, you know, first a little bit about you. I'm just so excited to talk about NWA 74, available on Fight TV, eight o'clock Saturday, Sunday. So, a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? I was born and raised in Los Angeles, uh, in the San Fernando Valley, to be more specific. Standard working class family, sort of, you know, upbringing. You know, went to Catholic school, and of course, you know, that's where you start your your first love into the sport of professional wrestling. I. Still, have one of my fond memories I have is uh, it, was, it was when, you know, all my friends, they all had cable. And so they'd get to watch Raw is War and stuff. And I, like, wasn't fortunate enough to have that. But then, you know, WWE, oh, we're expanding. We're going on this brand new channel called UPN. Mm. For kids out there, this is before they had Fox. Fox was there, but SmackDown wasn't going on. So SmackDown was going to debut and be kind of the flagship show for this new channel, UPN, which I think eventually became the CW. But I remember just sitting on the carpet, you know, right up against the TV. My dad was, you know, had a couple of Budweiser's and was already falling asleep on the couch. But I was ready to watch SmackDown and see The Rock come out. And then like, uh, and then you know, you really get hooked from there. And then it's like appointment viewing at that point. So like, that's where my love from pro wrestling really started was at that moment. And how did you end up breaking into the business? Well, you know, you, you do the things that they tell you not to do you know you, you, you love wrestling your buddies love wrestling so you end up doing some backyard bs that's really dangerous people got hurt it's not a good idea it's never a good idea but in all honesty it, it's you know boys will be boys as they said <laughs> and so you end up doing a bunch of stupid stuff you know in a backyard you rent a bounce house it's silly things like that when you're a child but you know i was really never an athletic person i'm actually probably in the best shape i've, I've been in in very, very long time. But especially back then, I was kind of a doughy kid with like not much muscles in the arms. But a good friend of mine, Brandon Taylor, who wrestles under the name Robert Baines now, works for New Japan. And he had found an ad in a paper. So that's really dating myself at this point. There's actual <laughs> physical paper. I believe it was the LA Daily News. It wasn't the Times. And it was a two-for-one coupon for this wrestling school called like MakeMeAProWrestler.com. Back when it was also cool to put .com in the name of your business. And he's like, hey, two for one, you want to just go with me and we'll see how it is? And I was like, all right, cool. And, you know, from that first, you know, training seminar that I was there, I was just hooked. You know, you just taking the bumps and doing all the things, actually learning the craft of pro wrestling. I just, I got hooked. Like, you, sometimes you hear people, they take that, you know, I wasn't into anything. And then I did one small bump of Coke. And then I was addicted. It was kind of like that with wrestling for me. So I guess, here we go. And then, uh, <laughs> I uh, just got launched into it and, uh, just started, you know, being an indie wrestler, working, you know, I used to I used to have Jim Cornette as a broadcast partner and he would always use the term outlaw mud show. Right. And I was definitely one of them outlaw mud show folks, you know, just kind of working in VFW halls and bars and all kinds of stuff in the greater Los Angeles area. So that's when I got my first kind of break into the business. I never made it very far anywhere. I wasn't particularly good. And then eventually I was able to kind of transfer the skills that I was acquiring as a journalist and as a broadcaster for television and bring those into, into pro wrestling. So it's cool. No, you know, I love, I say this all the time whenever we have people from the NWA on very authentic too. You guys are always just who you are. It feels very like normal. Like, we're just mentioning new Japan, WWE, you know what I mean? Like where it feels like other interviews, sometimes people are like, I have to tiptoe around and we don't want to mention these other companies sometimes. You know, it's it's bizarre. It doesn't make sense, yeah. especially in this climate. I mean, even on when you watch WWE programming, the, you know, the, look at what happened at the this past year's Royal Rumble with Mickey right. James coming out with the Impact Women's Championship on her waist. You can't live in a world where it's a bubble 
all wrestling fans, everything kind of intermingles. There's, they're very, I don't think there's a lot of people out there that watch NWA Power, watch NWA USA, and don't also care about what happens on Dynamite, Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, Impact, ROH, or even New Japan. Like, you're going to have a lot of crossover with it. You see a lot of crossover with the athletes that we have. And that's a beautiful thing. I think that, you know, the more that we can all work together, the more the fans will enjoy the experience. And really, at the end of the day, the more money we can all make. You know, right. we could we could fight it all out against each other, or we could all kind of join forces to make a better product and to feature more talent, more stars, and to really get more eyeballs on them. So, I, and that's kind of the philosophy it is. And if you look way back into the way that wrestling was structured, you know, when the NWA was the alliance of all these different territories, there was that level of, of cooperation. Obviously, bookers are going to be bookers, but there was always, you know, here's our world champion. They'll go to this territory. They'll go to this territory. Let's have a hot tag team. And they have another hot tag team. You know, let's take that and let's move it. Oh, it's doing great in Missouri. We burned out that crowd. Let's go to Florida. Okay, that crowd's burned out. Let's go to the Northeast. Let's go to Portland. And you had that opportunity and that all comes through cooperation and that's how you could really succeed in pro wrestling it's it's we don't need to be going to war with each other we could have that as a as a story to tell but as far as business goes it's so much better just cooperate and and be cool with one another which is why it's so great at nwa 74 where we have a whole bunch of different partnerships and particularly you know mlw is with their uh, open weight championship david richards is going to be defending it on our pay-per-view you're going to see stars from other wrestling promotions that will be here there's some big surprises but you'll see it uh coming up on the pay-per-view but if you are a fan of you know those other entities that i just mentioned uh we're gonna be having some people come in that you will recognize and you'll love and so it's really cool that we're, we're getting all that together for especially the biggest show of the year for us which is uh, our anniversary show absolutely we'll get right to that i'm kind of curious two more things here one what is your preparation like typically for a commentary day or maybe even more so for an event like nwa 74 well, there's a lot, you know, and I think that that's something that I kind of pride myself on. There's some people who can just kind of roll up and they'll see two names and they'll get through it. But, you know, there's so much you need to remember storyline wise and history wise, especially with the NWA. A good example of that is we're bringing back the NWA United States Tag Team Championships. We're crowning new champions on night two. There are 10 teams that are going to be involved in this battle royal. And I need to know everything about those teams. I need to know if they have, you know, you get a certain team out there and they've got a combination move. That's their finisher. Think of, you know, the 3D with the Dudley boys or whatever. You know, they have a combo thing that you can do there or the big rig with FTR or whatever it is. So you have to know all that stuff and be able to call it on the fly. And also, you know, there's a lot of history with the NWA United States Tag Team Championship that if you don't do the research, you're really going to be screwed in trying to explain to people the importance of it and that's such a very interesting championship in the fact that you had different versions of it in different territories and that was all universally recognized by the nwa and so you've got all these different lineages and different tag teams that basically held a united states championship in different ter territories simultaneously so the list of teams that have actually held that is is super extensive over this huge period and mostly people know 
what became prominent because of Jim Crockett promotions and with WCW and that lineage that, you know, the United States tag team championship continued on with that. And so it's, you know, but that also includes some of the biggest tag teams that have ever, you know, walked the straight space of the earth, you know, your midnight express, your rock and roll express, and the list goes on and on the four horsemen, you know? So it's, it's, really interesting to do those deep dives but you also have to have it all up here you know i can have and you'll see it when you watch wrestling it's no secret you can see that there are papers in front of commentary teams and that's not the menu for what they're going to get at catering you know there's are notes for important things that you need to be able to know and quickly reference uh so there is a lot i'd have to say you know i, I do probably the same level of preparation for every show there's just more of it for a show like nwa 74 because the show is just bigger it's two nights, uh, much like the Crockett Cup is, and um, there's just a lot to know. There's a lot to talk about, and so that that that's really important. So like, you know, anybody, you know, and that's the great thing. You know, we're talking over you know the internet right now, and there's so many people who are able to do commentary and then have it broadcast on some online platform, whether that's title match or fight or all these different ways, or even just streamed on YouTube or Facebook. It gives so many people an opportunity to do commentary. And so for those people out there that are kind of starting in it and are doing those independent promotions, like the one thing I always tell them is just make sure you do your homework and make sure you're doing the, your best to elevate everyone. Or as in wrestling terminations, you know, get everyone over, even your heels, even don't just try to get yourself over because you're not doing anybody any favors. And you know what? I'm not the one that's going out there and falling on my neck. I'm the one that gets to sit in a chair and the, the hardest part of my job especially for NWA 74 is once we start rolling, I can't go to the bathroom. So I'm there for like five hours and I need to pee. But as far as physically going, that's the most physically taxing part of it. So, you know, be respectful of, you know, the amount of effort that these men, women, warriors, whatever you want to call them, these wrestlers, be respectful of all the work they had to do to get to this point. And also, you know, just be respectful of the, the promotion that you have and the responsibility you have as the broadcaster to make sure, you know, that rising tide lifts all ships. Absolutely. Very well said. Actually, been doing some commentary myself with our producers in the comments, and he's going to really appreciate that advice. So thank you very much. One other question about commentary before we get into this before. This is just a personal opinion. I was listening to the match a couple months ago. It was Nick Aldis, Thomas Latimer. I quit match, and I thought that was one of your best call. Like, I'm listening to this match. First of all, the match is excellent, so they're giving you the music, obviously. But I was like, I'd like to ask you about this someday. I don't know what you consider, like, your best call in wrestling, your worst call. But, like, but that's what I'm asking you, basically. What are you, some of your best calls? But, like, for me, in that moment when I was watching, I'm like, this feels like just an old school, like, a little bit Terry. You know, obviously Terry Funk and Ric Flair, but, I mean, like, it's another level. But still, like, this gave me that vibe. I was like, this is great. Well, I, I appreciate that, and I'll certainly take that compliment. You know, I do so much with the NWA because we have the two television shows. We've got our pay-per-views. I also do a lot of, you know, some of the independent shows in the San Antonio area where I live and even traveling up to Dallas now to work TSW shows. It's hard. My, my brain only has so much hard drive space, but I tell you, like, that match in particular that you just brought up, you know, there are parts of that where, you know, it does have that. Uh, I think the, the most passionate I can be is when you can tell that there is a true emotional connection 
in a match. You could just have a match. And as you said, you know, they're, they're the ones playing the music that's there. And it, it gives me a chance to kind of sing. But when there's that real, because like if it's just babyface versus this heel and there's no history, there's nothing behind it. I mean, it's fine. You could probably have a good match out of it. But if you have that backstory and Tom and Nick had that, particularly with that match, it elevates everything. And it kind of, it gets you that extra electricity because you, you feel it more because what you're feeling is definitely there. It can't be fabricated. It can't be duplicated. It can't be a facsimile. It has to be real. And so when you have those super emotional moments where there is love and hate and all the different feelings that we ha we feel as people, you know, and it's involved in that story, it makes it a lot easier to tap into that. I think if you even talk to like people who do acting and things like that, if you can find that true emotion and dig down deep into the core, that's what's going to make things so much more real and so much and give you so much more of a connection with your audience that's going to have that same vibe and they're going to be feeling the same thing too. All right, NWA 74, 8 p.m., 8 Eastern for fans in the East Coast. Fight TV. There we go. Wait, oh, I can't <laughs> gang signs. I'll go talk to Homicide. He'll, he'll smarten me up. Yeah, so I was thinking, well, we'll just review some of the title matches we got coming up here on the show because it is sure. such a show. There's so many matches. Oh, there's a ton. <laughs> yeah. But one of the first ones that popped up, the Commonwealth Connection, World Tag Team Champions, Harry Smith, Doug Williams versus La Rebellion. I mean, La Rebellion, the former champs, they've been great here. But for me, Harry Smith with Doug Williams, who I thought for mostly was out of wrestling, and now he's back, and he doesn't look like he's really missed much of a beat. They're an incredible tag team. And just look at the lineage that they've had in the past. I mean, they've been multiple-time tag team champions, you know, with different partners, whether it's with you know, Nick Aldis or Lance Archer or all these other things in, in all these other different promotions, whether it was, you know, WWE or New Japan or the list goes on and on with those guys. It's one of those reasons why it's good to have that cheat sheet in front of you because it's like, well, here's all their championships that they've right. tag team separately, but to come together. And I think that that just kind of really shows how great of a tag team they are that, you know, they were familiar with each other, hadn't worked with each other a whole lot. But because they're such good tag team wrestlers, they can have that immediate chemistry. And they really had La Rebellion's number like the whole time. They're the only team to really beat La Rebellion. And that's saying something because they're an incredible team themselves. You know, it would have been great to see, you know, La Rebellion and, and, and Briscoe's go at it some more. And, you know, and maybe we'll get that opportunity some more. But I'm really excited for that matchup there to see if we can get that re redemption from La Rebellion. You have to also remember, you know, you talk about it. Some, some, especially in, in certain sports like baseball, there's a lot of superstition that kind of comes with it. And La Rebellion became NWA World Tag Team Champions at Chase, uh, NWA 73. So this might be their, their lucky spot. And that might give them just the edge that they need to be victorious over or Doug and Harry. But I know Doug and Harry, they're coming in hot. They're ready. Harry's in the best shape he's ever been in his life. And that's saying something. That guy is Rick S. House, like, no kidding. Uh, and Doug, you know, with the style that he has and what he does, and he's so smooth, he makes everything look so effortless. You know, he might be getting up there in age, but with the style that he wrestles, it's only making him better. And that's a scary thing that, you know, you've got this guy, you know, some people might say, oh, he's probably past his prime. He's not because of the way the style that he has and the expertise that he has, particularly in tag team wrestling. Absolutely. Another match we got coming up here. Jax Dane defending the NWA National Heavyweight Championship. Hold on a second. This is right. interesting. I am here at the chase. I got to yeah. knock on the door. Let's see who it's going to be. <laughs> I love it. Hi. Oh, oh thank you so much. Like, you don't know 
I do love okay, it. Thank cool. you. You made the right choice. Good. Thank you so much. Oh, look at that. These are delicious. Thank Good. you so much. That's what happens when you're VIP. I love it. They drop off bottles of wine for you. So that was very nice. We're running around. <laughs> sure. I'll be enjoying that later. I'll be enjoying that later. Let's go back. Who are we asking about? What about uh, Jackson, Sion, NWA National Title, Austin Idol in the corner of Sion. What do you think about these two gentlemen? What are they bringing to the table here for this match? Well, you know, this is another one of those things where there's so much history, emotion, and, and family ties with it. Jack Stane has been a dominant champion ever since he cashed in his champion series against Anthony Mayweather at Always Ready. You know, he lost the match at first. Started to leave, came back, took advantage of it, held on to that child. And now he's got, you know, Chris Silvio Esquire in his corner. And he is, you know, there's a lot of wrestling lawyers out there, but Chris Silvio is actually doing the job right in the fact that he's defended Jax from having to go and defend the title. He's been able to stop that, you know, and you can't lose the title if you don't wrestle. And so that certainly doesn't make Jax the quote unquote fighting champion but it allows him to stay champion. And then you have Sion, who has had really a roller coaster ever since he's made his debut here in the NWA. We didn't know, you know who his father was for a while, but he kept dropping hits that it was an NWA champion. And then it came to be that it was Austin Idol. And, you know, the abandonment that you feel as a child, you know, when you're, you have your, your father, in particular for a young boy, you have your father step out and he's just not part of your life. It scars you. And there's, it, it's definitely formed Sion in the basis of who he is as a man but he's taken all of that rage and taken all that anger and if you ask me he's been able to focus it now with the help of his father he's been able to focus it and he's completely driven to that nwa national championship i know for a fact he's you know jack stain's a, a monster of a man but scion's been putting weight on he's looking forward for this fight and you also have to remember who was the first ever NWA national heavyweight champion, Austin Idol. And so the guy knows how to win this championship because he's held it before. He was the inaugural champion. And he's going to be giving all of that information to Sion in hopes that the baby boy could live that same dream and hold the belt that his daddy did in the same way that Cody Rhodes, you know, when he won the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship against Nick Aldis, he wanted to hold the same belt that his daddy did with Dusty Rose. So I think that that puts this at a, at a really high level of it's not just a championship match because it means so much to both of the men that are involved. It's not just about the money. It's not just about the fame. There's a lot more in it. And I think that that just raises the stakes. Absolutely. Well said. We're going to go straight to the, to the, the main events here on Big Night. Camille, Taya Valkyrie, night one, main event. Camille, one of the most dominant, I mean, actually... <laughs> As far as the modern era, the most dominant NWA Women's Champion, period. Ty Beckery, I feel like, matches up well with her, though. Other than Kylan King, I don't think there's a lot of other women physically that are going to match up as well with Camille. Yeah, there's being over six feet tall and, you know, somewhere around the 200-pound mark, it's hard to find women that are like that and super athletic. And I love seeing what Kylan King has been doing, especially as of late. You know, she's going all over the place, and I see, you know, there's a rocket strapped to her back. Yeah. Ooh, great. But focusing on this match here, I mean, Camille has made it very, very clear, you know, there's all this talk about, and, and I think, you know, as a culture and as a history, you know, we're always focused on who's the world's heavyweight champion. And the women's champion feels like it's not at that level of importance. And Camille has elevated it to where, you know, she's been a champion for more than 440 days. She's defended it multiple times. And she considers herself to be the face of the National Wrestling Alliance. And it's hard to argue with that because of what she's been able to do with that championship and the people that she's been able to beat. 
you know, people like Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa, you know, the, the list goes on of all these, you know, luminaries that she's been able to defeat and hold on to that. Melina is another example. And now, but she's going against Taya Valkyrie. And, you know, people will say, you know, guys like Matt Cardona are belt collectors, you know, and there's certain other people that get that title, that, that moniker. Taya Valkyrie definitely is in that conversation as well. You know, getting the Reina de Reina's championship from AAA, the Impact Knockouts championship. Pretty much anywhere she goes, she goes in, gets a title match, wins the title. So the fact that these two are going to be going toe-to-toe and be the main event for night one. And that's another thing that really kind of shows the importance of what we what we see, where we see the Burke should be. It's, it's a main event championship, and they deserve that main event spot on night one and they're going to tear the house down i mean i i i'm glad that's the other good thing about it being the main event is uh no one has to go after and try to follow it because it's going to really it's going to be a barn burner for sure yeah absolutely yeah that's going to be a big night obviously the winner of the burke will meet the winner of that matchup on night two night two is going to be fire we like you talked about earlier we got the united states tag team championship which i always thought of the midnight express like you had mentioned them too but the main event big tyrus undefeated television champion maybe the most physically imposing guy in the nwa that's saying something but maybe trevor murdoch though right there with him size wise and you talk about authentic and you talk about real which we mentioned earlier i mean it's harder to come more authentic than trevor murdoch oh uh, and especially being in his hometown and you know there's a few things that you know trevor murdoch i mean he was victorious here last year beating nick aldis to become world's heavyweight champion then losing it to matt cardona of course but you know he has a lot of family coming in this is his hometown and actually the ring that we have for this match and a lot of people are gonna work I, I don't know if we've made a big announcement for it but i'll you're breaking news on your podcast here the ring that we're using at one point was owned by harley race it's harley race's ring and it's a ring that trevor trained in and kind of came up in the business in and i think you know once again going back to that you know baseball superstition sort of feel in there i mean if, if that's something that you kind of buy into that definitely gives you know trevor murdoch that extra little bit of motivation luck whatever it is you want to call it that might get him to be able to retain against the manster and you know tyrus you know we like to talk about his size and being so big and you know over 400 pounds. He's actually cut a lot of weight. If you follow him on, on social media, he's cut a ton of weight in the bad weight department and put on more muscle. And Trevor Murdoch, from what I understand, has been doing the same. So you're going to get two hosses that are at the absolute top of their tier, big guy, big man. This is a heavyweight fight. And this is what the people of St. Louis deserve is to see a heavyweight fight of this caliber. And then, you know, it's going to be interesting to see because you would assume, you know, Tyrus being a heel and Trevor Murdoch being a face, and this is his hometown, this is going to be nothing but Trevor Murdoch fans at the chase. And I don't think it's going to be that way. Tyrus has a monumental fan base, you know, thanks in part to books like this, that he's on newsstands or on in bookstores now, but also, you know, the reach that he has with Fox and Gutfeld and The Five and all these different shows that he's on. And so I think he's sold a lot of the tickets that are going to be there. There's a lot of, you know, Tyrus fans who may not be big wrestling fans. This might be their first or a first wrestling show that they've been to in decades. You know, there's those people out there that like, they're just big fans of Tyrus. They see that he's got that belt. And you know what? They live in the greater St. Louis area. And so they're going to come to the show just to see what's going to happen with their favorite Fox star. And hopefully what my goal is, is hopefully we can get those people to continue to enjoy professional wrestling that may have fallen out of the fold that maybe no longer were interested in it 
for whatever reason, you know, it happens. There's just generational things. People get busy, they get kids and whatever, and they just decide, you know, they stop watching. You know, you could stop anybody in any airport. And it happens to me a lot because, you know, people are chatty and they're like, do you watch pro wrestling? Well, I used to watch it back in, the, well, you know, Stone Cold. And that's about when I stopped. Well, you know, and, and there was the shield and then I stopped watching it. Da, 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 da. But if we could get some of those people to come in to the chase, buy a ticket to watch Tyrus, but they're watching a whole show leading up to it and they go, you know what? I'm going to keep watching this NWA stuff because this is entertaining. This is fun. And this is wrestling as it's meant to be. That's what I really hope comes out of it. As far as who's going to win that match, man, that is a coin flip right there. I would not put, I would want to put a bet on either one, but I can assure you that it's going to be violent. And I don't know what you have to do to either of these men to keep them down for that three count. I mean, Tyrus just like in singles competition, defending that television title, undefeated you know there's there's a lot of buzz there's a lot of energy and it's definitely deserves its spot in the main event for something like nwa 74 absolutely man well thank you for doing this because i know you're very busy the next few days it's going to be insane why don't you just anything obviously you talk about a promotion for nwa 74 this weekend you can tell people about your social media anything you want to sure. promote Sure. Like, look, I just want to tell people, head to nationalwrestlingalliance.com. That's got all of our information for this show. We'll be making announcements for upcoming shows. We are on pay-per-view through Fight TV. You can buy a two-day bundle, which saves some money, watch the pay-per-view, and a lot of exciting stuff that's going to be coming with the National Wrestling Alliance. If you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter, at Joe Galley News. You just you punch my name into Google, all my stuff comes up. So, uh, But I want to thank your fans for tuning into this, and I hope that they do uh, tune in for 74. And, and no, don't forget, folks, you know, the show does doesn't just start with the pay-per-view time. We've got an hour-long pre-show each night, and we've got what I would consider main event matches on those pre-shows. That is 100% free. That's through our NWA YouTube channel. That's going to start at 6 p.m. Central. So uh, if you're still on the fence, like you don't know if you want to spend the money or not, watch the pre-show. And I guarantee you, halfway through that pre-show, you're going to be finding the Fight TV app to make sure you can order the paper. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82designs, 482designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82designs, at F-O-U-R, 82designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R, 82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's a light year. looks better than our first one. Also, it's the vibe the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. Working Fans Podcast. I'm the man they call Dave. Today, we got a third-generation star. This guy's grandfather was a promoter. His father was a wrestler slash promoter. College athlete. You've probably seen him now, though, on NWA Power. Mr. AJ Kazana. How are you, sir? Doing fantastic. Enjoying this nice, mild East Tennessee weather today. <laughs> Dude, it's a big weekend. We'll get into that a little bit later, NWA 74. But a lot of times we get people on here, and it's, of course, how did you break into the business? What was your fandom like? But yours is so unique because you grew up in the business, and you grew up with a grandfather You know, who's in like a golden age of like Tennessee wrestling and stuff like that. So what was kind of like that? What was it like growing up in a wrestling family? Well, actually, so it was my great-grandfather. So it goes oh. back even further. Technically, I could be a fourth-generation worker, wrestler. My my grandmother took tickets. 
she didn't wrestle or anything, obviously. But growing up in that family, like I, I remember going to shows and watching my dad wrestle and stuff. And it's, I mean, it was just, I was a fan. Obviously, I enjoyed going with him and spending some time with him and mom. And I never got to meet my great grandfather, so that's something that like really sucks because I would have loved to have picked his brain about how he started. Because I think Dad says in that documentary that he started in '33 when he got noticed at the gym just by being a good-looking dude. But I actually was never really a fan of wrestling after the age of like nine up until probably about 16, 17, I got back into it. Never had the intentions to wrestle or anything, believe it or not. And it just kind of happened accidentally. So, And you know, the documentary you referenced was Cassandra Legacy, A Century of Professional Wrestling in East Tennessee. It's on your YouTube page, which we'll plug it in, which was awesome. And yeah, you talked about that. You grew up, I want to say you were four years old watching your dad get beat up in a match you wanted to go save him and maybe mr fuji pulled you aside or something but you know, oh yeah okay. which always blows my mind at how big of a star mr fuji was and the fact that he was sitting with me and my mom at a wrestling show watching dad wrestle and he worked in knoxville at a movie theater for years until he passed away so yeah mr fuji kind of grabbed me and said no your daddy's okay son just relax but no it was all an accident believe it or not dad asked me to do something at his retirement show me and my brother got into it and it kind of just i got bit by the bug when i the, the adrenaline and the excitement, and I told, I think I said this in, in that documentary, I say this to everybody that asks, is the excitement of walking through the curtain for a match, especially a big match, a big moment, is is as exciting, if not more exciting, than running through the Power T was at Tennessee mm. in front of 96,000 people. Wow. So. Being a college athlete, performing on such a big stage like that too, though, did you feel like that helped you with your transition, you know, being out there in front of people? Absolutely not, because I didn't have the opportunity to play at UT due to some some injuries that kind of just, you know, plagued me. And I was like, nah, fo maybe football's not it. So actually, I don't, yeah, no, playing football just, I think it helped with the training. Yeah. And helped with, because the desire to be great and to be, to be the best that I can be, even if it's, even if on a scale of one to 10, the best that I can actually be is only like a five, then I'm going to push my limits till I get there. But I just want to improve constantly and, and, and be the best wrestler, just like I wanted to improve and be the best football player. And it's just it's a competitor's a competitor's like hunger and a competitor's edge that you get playing sports that does translate into training and all that goodness and wrestling. You said you didn't get to meet your great grandfather, <clears throat> but what about your grandfather? How was your relationship with your grandfather growing up? I, he passed away when I was nine and then my other one passed away re more recently about God, it's been four or five years now, but I mean, both of them were incredible. My dad's dad never got to watch me play football at a high level and never got to watch me wrestle. Same thing with my papa, like never got to watch me wrestle, but I mean, our relationships were top notch and those are two men that I know I can look up to even with them not being here and pull bits and chunks out of their lives that I could be like, okay, well, here's what a real man's supposed to do. Or here's what a man should do in this situation. And because in a world of professional wrestling and the world as a whole, you're always going to be faced with situations that you may not want to be in and having really good men like my grand, my grandfathers and a lot of my uncles and, and my dad, like it, it's, it's a lot easier to face the world and to face challenges and in, in business and relationships and world's worldly stuff with those male role models in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's a life lesson, right? Anybody mm -hmm. you know, having good people around you in general is only going to help you out.
Well, I'm a big proponent of surrounding yourself with people that have similar goals as you. Again, like we were talking beforehand, like my roommates, Gustavo Aguilar, we both want to be best professional wrestlers in the world. So we're pushing each other daily, working out all that good stuff to be the best that we both can be. Silas Mace and Devin Dixon, like Plunkett, like all these guys that I surround myself with, Fable Jake, like the guys that are in my inner circle, if you will, like, like we all want to be the greatest professional wrestlers that we can be. And I'm a huge proponent of like surrounding yourselves with people that want to help elevate you and that understand the drive and the hunger that you have for it. You know, it's interesting too, you know, we're at a time period in wrestling in general right now where it's granted when you talk about the WWE, they were always entertainment, right? And other wrestling, there's always going to be an entertainment aspect of pro wrestling. But now more than ever, it seems like, especially with the NWA, but even on a stale WWE with a guy like, you know, Hunter in charge there, it seems like pro wrestling is becoming like the marquee again for everybody. And this seems like a great opportunity and a great time if, you know, you're hungry to make it. It'd be tough with the WWE's NIL deal, but I do believe that if you separate yourself, and I've told people this, like, I don't think I've got a future with the WWE immediately, obviously. Of course, that's, that's, I think, the goal. They're the New York Yankees of professional wrestling. But, you know, the deal that they've got, they're wanting to bring in these Division One athletes that are fresh out of college, all that good stuff. Like, I get it. I can't yeah. blame them. They're some of the best athletes in the world, and it'd be dumb to not try to get them to come be professional wrestlers where they can actually elevate the game even more. But I think in the grand scheme of things, you're going to have tons of guys, and like like a lot of us in the NWA, that have paid some dues on the indie scene, that are continually paying dues out in the independent wrestling world, that Billy Corgan and Pat Kenny and all these guys gave us an opportunity to go step into a ring in front of a national audience, international audience, if you will, because I know there's a lot of international fans, but it gave us an opportunity. And I would venture to say that in the grand scheme of things, I know for me especially, like, that's not going to be forgotten. Yeah. Like, if, if the day comes where I become some international superstar, like, the NWA is home. The NWA is where I feel like I fit in, and, and the locker room especially, and the family environment makes it hard to ever contemplate leaving. And, I mean, it's great to be a part of something on the ground up, too, and build it. And, and obviously, you guys do have a hell of a guy there running it with Billy Corgan, who's been successful in different walks of life with his music, but is also passionate about the wrestling business. He um, loves wrestling. I never would have guessed how much he loved wrestling, ever. And his his love for wrestling is on the level of an actual like guy that's doing it. Like we all do this because we love it. If you don't, then then you're extra crazy because it's not good for your body. But like we all do this because we enjoy it. And he just through his love for it is insane. And it's really fun. Like he gave some speech at Always Ready about like his how you know you know when you're in a locker room at halftime of a football game or something, coach is giving you your halftime pep talk, your pregame speech. He gave one of those types of speeches that just like I watched it and I bought in. I was like, okay, this guy like wants professional wrestling to be professional wrestling and not sports entertainment. Right. He wants it to be as real as possible, where people, even though they might think they know, they're still questioning, and that's. That's how I want to be. Like, I want to be that kind of guy that, like, you may think you know, but AJ Kazana might actually be hurting this dude. Hmm. I mean, I think the NWA does well. I said it before, Nick Aldis, especially at the time when he was champion, and Trevor Marek too now, but Nick Aldis was given that big fight feel when I feel like the NWA especially broke out before COVID and stuff. It was like that. It felt like you were watching a heavyweight championship boxing match or a UFC title fight. Like, it felt big. And Trevor comes off about as legit as can be. Okay, yeah. So my favorite kind of, I guess, I don't know if it's, it's just like comparisons. If we're comparing champions, if we're comparing, if we're talking about people who are going to be your top guy, 
Trevor Murdoch walks into a bar or a back alley and meets Roman Reigns or meets, I don't even know who AEW's champion is at the time. I, I, Josh, I, yeah, Josh would give him a hard time because Josh is a super athlete, but in a street fight, I can't imagine Trevor Murdoch loses to many people in the world. That's one tough son of a bitch. And I don't, obviously, no offense to you know his mother because I know she's a nice lady, but that guy is is extra tough. Like He's tougher than a $2 steak, but, but like, the realism of him being the champion. Nick Aldis is the same way. Like If I walked across Nick Aldis in a bar, probably not trying to pick a fight with him. Now, I would because I'm massive, but that's besides the point. Like, like he's just a big – like, he's believable as a champion. But when you've got – and I give one of my buddies a hard time about this because he's a heavyweight champion somewhere. I'm like, dude, you're 185 pounds. You're not a heavyweight. Like, but, yeah, so believability is huge. And I think the NWA is top-notch believable when it comes to professional wrestling and people that can actually hurt you outside of pro wrestling. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. We were talking before. Billy Corgan said it in our recent interview, and, you know, we were talking about, like, you guys probably have the biggest yeah. roster right now at least in north america that i can think of too of just like big time athletes big time tough looking wrestlers the main event for nwa 74 this weekend trevor murdoch and tyrus both about six foot seven both men make me feel small <laughs> like that's in the locker room of giants i feel tiny compared to a lot of those guys and i'm every bit of six foot two 300 pounds and i'm not a small guy by any means but those guys are just yeah that roster is massive even yeah. we're talking even on the women's side, it's it's yeah. not small. Like there's some like tall, athletic, thick women that look like they could rip your freaking head off. Yeah, nobody's picking a fight with Camille yeah. either. No, and like and even Kenzie, we were talking about Kenzie Page. Kenzie's Kenzie's not the biggest in the world, but dude, she's a bad chick. I've seen her on the angry <laughs> side a couple times, and I it's not one woman I would mess with. You know, some people are dumb enough to try. <laughs> now you broke in with you were trained by Dr. Tom Pritchard, his school in Jacobs. What was that like? Well, Tom Pritchard's the greatest trainer in the world, bar none. Nobody can compete with what Tom Pritchard can do with talent. I always tell him that I think he's at least top three because he hates getting put over. But man, like I look at a lot of training schools and I look at a lot of guys that are coming out of these training schools and then i look at jpwa and see the guys like like me and trans like silas and there's a couple other like hunter drake uh, tyler franks a couple of these other guys that are on the indie scene like even gustavo like we were talking gustavo when he moved up here from miami went and saw dr tom and like it, it elevated him i mean five steps tom pritchard's method of training is incredible it's tough it's hard fortunately we're in a ring that can bounce and that or that that hasn't doesn't tear you up like i was saying in the documentary my dad trained in the backyard taking suplexes and body slams on the ground then went to a ring that had a stump in it we're fortunate enough to have an old wwe 20 by 20 ring hmm. to train in in a building it's not air conditioned but still it's not like outside the elements but dude no man tom pritchard i always tell people like if you want to do this and you want to take this stuff seriously like tom pritchard's the guy to go see and he, fortunately i don't know who knows if i'm even supposed to say this but like it's out there that he uh, he was with the nwa and always ready and it got to agent some matches, and I do believe he's going to be in St. Louis, which is nerve-wracking on one level because, like, he – performing in front of my dad is performing in front of my dad. He's always going to tell me. He always thinks I do good. Like, he will critique me whenever. But, like, Tom Pritchard is relentless with his critiques, and, like, performing in front of him is terrifying. But it goes back to the old saying, like, good players want to be told they're great. Great players want to be told the truth. So yeah. the fact that he wants to tell me the truth, and I'm I love the fact that he does tell me the truth. Like, hey man, that was the truth. And donkey turd. Like, you need to. This is, needs to be fed. Blah, blah. And yeah, but JPWA is the place to go. Like, just we elevated ourselves so quickly. There were so many of us that started. Like, I only started in 2020. I got done training in August of 2020. And the fact of where I'm at, and I've talked with some other, like some of my other friends that have been around for seven to ten years. It's like where I'm at. It's insane to me. Just just how far is 
like the level I'm going to keep rambling, but the level like that we're at, like with the NWA and like just the level of performing in the ring and, and the stuff that we do and the way we do it and all this stuff. It's built on the foundations of professional wrestling, the stuff that never goes out of style. And Tom's the greatest at training that specifically. And then also helping you pinpoint, you know, a certain character flaw that you've got or, or pinpointing that certain character that you can be and how to tweak certain moves and all that stuff. So He's, he's the greatest dude. I could talk about Tom Pritchard all day. I'd take a bullet for that, man. I'm curious. Started off in 2020, COVID. And some people, you know, it was a great negative. But I mean, at the same time, I've talked to people like a guy who wrote a book around that time. And his book ended up being so much better because he had all this time now to really concentrate on different things and work on other things. Did you find that similar? Or was it tough because it's hard to get work? Or were you able to really, you know, turn a negative into a positive focus on things? What was that time period? Dude, it was it was weird. Like training was weird, wearing masks while training, being super cautious about what we were doing because it was all still new. And just because we didn't we didn't want to miss out on two weeks of training. If one person got it, we had to we would have had to close the school for two weeks. So we were all real careful about going out and doing anything or going to eat. I mean, realistically, man, like after we graduated, we were blessed to graduate in person at a show up here in Sevierville. Blessed to have like a battle royal up here, like after everything started calming down. And man, like I enjoyed COVID because of at work when I was working at a credit union at the time. Like I got to kind of like engulf myself in wrestling and football at the time because I, I coach football as well. So I got to engulf myself in those things. And I just felt like I got significantly better mentally, especially at both of those things because of how much time I was putting forth to it. Finding work actually wasn't that hard for wrestling. I was in a tag team and we were going everywhere. My tag team partner got us booked. We were booked two, three days a week, traveling from Knoxville to, to North Carolina, to Kentucky, Virginia, not Virginia, West Virginia, Georgia. Like We were all over the place and like wrestling just as much as possible so I could figure out how to not be terrible in the ring. Like in my first year, I had over 200 matches. So that was, yeah, it was a ton. Over there, that's crazy. So that you were busy. Right. Like Right. Yeah. All over the place. That's incredible. What are some of the things curious? Because I see you and I talk to you and I I mean this, you know, this is important. You're very, you come off very authentic. Like you are who you are. So when we talk about a little bit of that entertainment aspect too, when you're working on like who you want to present as a character, promote yourself, do you look for different things? Like maybe in the past at some older wrestling stuff, do you look at stuff going on? Or do you look at stuff maybe even outside of wrestling? As far as like my character, dude, I, yeah, I'm authentic. I want to be the most authentic professional wrestler in the world. The size, the strength, the speed, the actual wrestling ability is all great. I do pick up a lot from like older tapes. There's an app on Roku called Wrestling, R-E-S-S-L-I-N. And like when I'm bored, I'll sit at home. Gustavo hates it, but I'll sit at home. I'll just flip it on. It'll just play loops of like old wrestling. And it, you don't get to pick. You just watch. So it could be Japanese women's wrestling from the early 2000s. It could be a match from for a while. It was like 1950s, like when they first started televising this stuff, like matches from New York where the, the announcer has no idea what's going on. Um, I take a lot of influence from from the 80s, especially, you know, the Four Horsemen, the Stan Hansons, the DBICs, the Dr. Deaths, the Freebirds are great. I love the Freebirds. Um, just those guys, in a time period where like, you didn't play professional wrestler. You were a professional wrestler. And I know Silas, we talk about this all the time. It's like in a world right now where people are cosplaying and they're dressing up and they want to play pro wrestler, like they get to go home and take off their pro wrestling hat. They get to go home and take off their face paint. They get to take off their boots at the end of the day. But like I'm me everywhere I go. 
when my real job, I'm me, I'm the same guy that AJ Kazani is in the ring. When I'm cutting a promo, when we're on interviews here, we were talking beforehand. Like, I don't know any different. And I just, an authenticity is, is what sells. Like, let me sell myself as an authentic, because that way I don't have to put on a front all the time. I'd rather just be me. So in a world where people want to cosplay pro wrestlers, I am a pro wrestler. When I walk into a room, people know, hey, this guy's different. I don't know what it is, but he's different. But yeah, no tons of, so I got pulled from like Harley Race, those guys that were the embodiment of professional wrestling. Like when they walk into a room, you knew something was up. This guy's weird. This guy's different. But as far as like outside of it, I, some, some things I do pull. So like, you know, pull a little bit from like Yellowstone, like the country gentleman thing that we're doing. I am country, so that does help, but right. like I'm not that country, you know what I mean? So I'm trying to see if there's anything with like the ranching, the Western stuff, I'm trying to pull some stuff out of there just to see. If there's anything, because I'm more, you know, East Tennessee, Southern wrestling country. Not let me go ride on the cab, uh, the back of a horse and, and ra- uh, wrangle cattle for my whole entire life. You know, so I, I pull a little bit here and there, but I mean, just above all else, like I just want to be me. I just yeah. want to be authentic. So like that's, I pull from my life, I pull from my experiences, I pull from, from what, what I see daily, what I hear daily and, and just go with it. For you personally, then, you know, growing up in a wrestling family, <laughs> you know, have an awesome training with a guy like Dr. Tom. What have been some of the more challenging aspects of this business for you? People thinking I'm way far ahead of where I am. People thinking that I've been around for seven to 10 years. And realistically, I'm still greener than baby turds, you know, like I'm still new to this. Like I'm still learning. That's the biggest challenge that I face is that, that I do carry myself with. There's a lot of guys, that, a lot of younger guys at AML that like will mess with me because I kind of had this like veteran mentality in a locker room, like where I, I, I see what veterans are doing and I recreate that within myself, the way I carry myself, the way I, the way I do stuff. So it's, it's because I am, I am an old soul, I guess, but yeah, it's, it, that's my biggest challenge is people just thinking that I'm so far ahead of where I am. Well, realistically, like I'm still new to this, like this is 29 years old. This has only been two years of my life and, and there's hopefully many more to come, but I mean, that's like, there's not been very many challenges in professional wrestling, except just, you know, not being afraid to put yourself out there and get told no, but just, just reminding people like, Hey guys, I'm still new. (laughs) Give me a chance to learn and grow with you. Don't assume that I am the guy that can go put your, your trainee, you know, through a good match. Cause I can't not yet, maybe eventually, you know, but I'm getting better. So there's only one way to go and that's up. Damn right. Damn right, man. What's it been like now just being at the NWA, like on a personal level? It's incredible. <laughs> like you walk into the locker room and you see these freaking stud wrestlers that you watched growing up or that, that you've recently watched and just randomly show up that you get to share a locker room with now and you get to build bonds with. Even like Tom Latimer is a huge Dr. Tom guy. And I know we, we connected initially over that. Tyrus loves Tom. Trevor like loves Tom. And they they can see Tom's training in the guys that are from JPWA, the guys and girls. And that's an easy in with them. Mm. But just because you're a Tom guy doesn't mean that they're going to like you. Right. Because you could go out there and just be absolutely, just an absolutely terrible person, not even just bad in the ring. Like you can just be just a terrible person. So like it, getting to spend time with those guys and, and them being willing to help us. That's a big one. They're willing to watch your matches. They're willing to critique things. They're willing to explain to you and talk to you their opinions. 
over, you know, whatever three days that you're with them. So it's an incredible experience. And it's like a family locker room. Like, like I said it again, we go back to that documentary, like dad show Joe and promotions, like our locker room. I want to rival that locker room where like you walk in your family, if you've got heat with somebody outside of it, no, you don't not here. Like we're here to, to make this product the best possible product. And we all have the same goals in mind, you know, get better in wrestling, build the NWA to the prominence that it used to be. And, and, you know, make a little money on the side. That's cool. Yeah. Just have a good time doing it. If you're not having fun, there's no point, but that, that, that locker room dude is top freaking notch. It's incredible. So you said something there. It made me think back. You talked about Dr. Tom in a lot of ways, opening up doors for you. You know, these guys knew it. Al Snow talked about on an interview one time too, about his trainer. And he talks about training people. One of the things he says is that you represent that trainer now too. Mm -hmm. So if you do anything, you know, in the old school ways, if you do anything to mess up too, it might get back to that trainer. And then you got to personally answer too. I'd imagine that's a similar thing with Dr. Tom. Oh, no doubt. I know for a fact that there have been guys from the NWA call Tom to tell, to talk to them and just, you know, and just uh, to talk to them about guys like me. Again, I'll go back me, Silas, Gustavo, Kinsey, like all these, these JPWA people that are, that are there. And fortunately none of it's been bad. Yeah. Cause we're all, we're all not terrible people. We're all pretty decent people sometimes. So, but yeah, they're not afraid to call your trainer and be like, Hey, he effed up or hey mm-hmm. here's this situation or and hey these guys are really good guys to have around the locker room like these guys are willing to help pick up or are still willing even though they're considered talent now like i'll go and i'll still help out with the ring stuff because i feel out of place just sitting around while other people are working but i'll go help out with the ring stuff if i don't have any pre-tapes or anything to do or i'll try my best to figure out something to help everybody out like if we can help people like clean up after each other you know even better than you found it so yeah it definitely does get back to tom sometimes mostly mostly good stuff i'm sure there have been a few things where it's been like hey you know maybe if you just teach him how to do this when he comes in there and work then he'll be okay i think you touched on something there for anybody tuning in and watching this like a life lesson too uh, it, not just in pro wrestling hey be a good person is going to help out so much in any endeavor that you decide to do. And B, the other thing, we talk about helping with the ring. Don't just stand idly by a lot of times. If you can do something, the effort is mostly going to be appreciated a lot of times. See, I got my start with the NWA as part of the ring crew. Silas got his start with the NWA as security and always ready. Gustavo, ring crew, Crockett Cup, never forget. Like, look, we all started helping out. And, and making connections with with the group of guys, Mark Rowland and all those guys, like Crimson was was ahead of it, and just and building bonds with them, and just like just working to help put the show on. Like my philosophy about professional wrestling is, I don't care how I'm a part of it. I just want to make a living being a part of professional wrestling. If that's doing Ring Crew, if that's wrestling, if that's promoting, if that's aging, whatever. Like I enjoy wrestling. I enjoy the family aspect of it so much that like, like I just want to be a part of it. And like we all started in the Ring Crew, so now they've got a lot of people there, a lot of trainees from Tried and True, a lot of JPWA guys that are all partnered up. So it's it's really difficult now to just go help out because there's so many moving pieces and they're all already on top of everything. But that doesn't mean you can't pick up a ball or two that you pass in the hallway. You can't help out at the end of the night. Well, here guys, let me, let me grab this into the board and at least help one thing. Or let me fold these ring aprons. It's just, it's, it's a mentality of never forget where you came from. Never forget. We all started somewhere and we all have paid our dues along the way and we will continue to pay our dues. And then above all else, like you said, be a good person. Genuinely, you can fake it for so long, but at some point, somebody's going to figure out you're a turd. You put, what do they say? You put lipstick on, lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. Yeah. Like, be a genuinely good person. Care about people. Care about the business. And, and above all else, and this goes with everything in life, 
no matter what you do or where you're at, leave it better than you found. Leave people better than you found them. Leave situations better than you found them. Leave places that you work better than you found them. That's a huge life lesson. Like I try to pass on to like the kids that I coach and, so that's that's one of my philosophies to to live by. Absolutely, man. That's great for anyone. Yeah. Life lessons with AJ Kazana. You're welcome. <laughs> there you go. What are some of your goals specifically for the NWA with you and the NWA? <sighs> Sheesh, man. Contract would be great. Obviously, like I, I enjoy just being there, man. Wrestling. I do enjoy titles. Those U.S. tag titles would look mighty fine around my waist with old Anthony. Any title, any of their gold, the 10 pounds of gold, Trevor Murdoch can hand it off to me whenever he feels like. But that, I'm a big fan of the national championship, TV top, dude. I want to be, whatever promotion I'm at, I want to be the top guy that they can bill and pull thousands of seat, like thousands of people and fill every 18 inches. I want to do my best to be your top guy. And that's, I mean, I would be lying to say if I didn't want to be the NWA's top guy. Absolutely. The NWA's top draw, top tag team, top whatever. But above all else, like I, just want the product to be as successful as possible because if it's if we're all making it successful and we're all looking out for each other then we're all going to make a little bit of money along the way absolutely yeah i guess you touched up on the second thing i guess you got to be over the moon i mean nba 74 this weekend you're on both nights but that second night you guys are in a battle royal and you got an opportunity to be one half of the united states tag team champions i felt one of the friends were talking for this interview we associate with the midnight express we always think you know oh, they made, yeah. i mean so this is a real cool moment for you this weekend i gotta imagine oh dude no doubt just to be a part of it i knew we were going to be a part of what i got I, I remember getting the text message and the emails like hey we need you these dates. Fantastic. At least I'm going to be there. Am I wrestling? I don't know yet. And then they announce it, and it's like, well, let's freaking go. Just to be a part of one one night was special, and the fact that they're going to put us on both nights, they're going to let us kick the crap out of Gold Rush or whatever Marche and Jordan Clearwater call themselves the night before we get to go throw nine other teams out of the freaking ring. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm ecstatic. I'm excited. I know we got a pretty long drive ahead of us Friday, but but it's it's all worth it, man, in the end. I'm just excited to go to St. Louis. I'm excited to be at the Chase. I'm excited yes. to step back into that blue and yellow on top of that canvas and just, man, dude, yeah, 74 is going to be a, tra- a treat. And I don't don't be surprised if we walk out with some gold around our waist. I love then it. I'm going to call Jim Cornette and say, hey, man, I need a picture. <laughs> I love, I love it, man. I don't think that you could be at a better promotion given your family's heritage and how you like to be authentic than the NWA. It, it just feels right. And I, I'm so like, I'm ecstatic just the fact that I just feel like that's where I belong and that's where I'm supposed to be. And like you, we were talking earlier, like being on the ground floor of something, I think, I think it's been four years since Corgan, uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Mr. Corgan bought the NWA and started like promoting again. And I remember seeing it early and being like, Hey, I mean, I, I like where his head's at. And then just watching his progressions and like, yeah, I mean, to be on the ground floor, I'd love to see this go international. And I don't think we're ever going to compete on uh, the biggest of scales. Like, I don't think we'll ever, you know, sell out. Not not, not in my wrestling career, maybe, because I know it's going to take a while because we want to, it's like, if you've got, again, you've got a good foundation. Once you're building on that foundation, it's a little slower, but it's easier to sustain that success versus like pumping tons of money into one promotion. Right and blowing your load mm-hmm. fairly early on. And then, but like, it's, we also, we just, we appeal to a different fan, like a different fan base. Like we've got our own niche where it's like, Hey, be as physical and as real as possible while being safe, be authentic, lay it in, be safe. Make it look like freaking pro wrestling, not flippy dippy bull crap that you're just doing a million things. You know what I mean? Dude, I could bury some, some wrestling all day if you want to bury <laughs> some wrestling, but like, yeah. So, be pro wrestlers in a world of fake pro wrestlers. That's what I'm trying to say. That's yeah. what the NWA is. 
I guess one of my other questions I have for you, and we'll get two more. One of my other questions for you is you obviously love this now that you're in it. You can see that you're all in. You're still very young, but are you thinking about like when your in-ring career is done, will you still be involved in pro wrestling? I 1,000% want to be involved in pro wrestling, whether I'm wrestling or not. If I've got to be the head of the ring crew, I'll do that. If I've got to be head of production or if I've got to be just a little bitty production agent that has to take care of the smallest little segment, whatever. Like, I just want to be a part of it. I love I love the business. I love being around it. I've gotten to dive into a little bit of booking and promoting with Dad recently, coming up with some creative storylines for our stuff that we're launching. We, we just come to a deal with Title Match Network, and we've got 20 episodes that will be launching periodically i didn't get with him he never texted me back so who knows what the uh, he talked with the guy today but hopefully like two episodes a week so we can build up to where we're actually putting episodes out weekly but like i've gotten an opportunity to be a part of that and i just i love the pro wrestling world it's weird it's strange it can be a terrible place at times but it's an escape from reality and if i can live in that escape from reality and have to just dabble my toe or dip my toe in reality every once in a while to pay bills then or to you know I guess that is the reality check. It's like, hey, here's here's 12 bills that you have to pay. That would be the reality check. But, yeah, dude, I would love to be a part of wrestling regardless if it's in career in ring or, or out of the ring, wherever it's at. And I've, I've made those intentions known with, with Mr. Corgan and Mr. Kenny and Kyle Davis and Joe Galley and, and all those guys. I was like, hey, like if my position is not in ring, I'm here to do whatever you guys need. So I, I just love wrestling. It's weird. I don't no, know. You have I to think- be crazy. Anyone that's like, you know, watching this podcast or watching it, we're obviously all fans. And I think that's why we all want to either be involved or just love to watch it. So it makes all the sense in the world. I guess my last question is this, you know, do you have anything, whether it's social media, obviously NWA 74, <laughs> this again, TV, Saturday night, Sunday night, people need to check that out. Anything yeah. else? to promote did you have coming up well we've got 74 like you said this weekend live pre-show on youtube i think at six o'clock goes live on fight at seven both nights fan fest if you're in the st louis area is like two to four i believe with a 30 minute q a session with billy corgan at the end dude it's dad's joe kazana promotions wild world of wrestling will be launching on title match my social medias if you want to go give me a follow if you want to go watch the kazana legacy 100 years of professional wrestling because we are about what is it 2022 11 years away from about 100 years of the kazana family in professional wrestling that is on my youtube just search aj kazana you'll see it it's the big dumb looking guy has got his fist up where you can see Neyland stadium behind him yeah dad's joe kazana promotions wild world of wrestling and then my social media is aj kaz one on instagram aj kazana on twitter and then it's i guess facebook.com slash the rookie of the century on facebook where you just search aj kazana you'll find me it's it's there also on title match network the imperial pro wrestling new tag team champions with silas mason where we got to whoop up on some ring of honor guys it's me and silas versus the boys for these here these here titles so that's also on good old title match if you got a subscription on there. Other than that, man, it's AJ Kazan is here to take over professional wrestling. And I guess I could use some help, but I'm going to do it whether people help me or not. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. 
If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 